Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey Hickman-Hunter. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Hey friends, how have you been doing? COVID has changed and morphed everyone's plans. One example of this um, in my life and some very exciting news for my family is that my little brother and his now wife got married in a simple and small ceremony with hopes for a reception once we're able to gather big groups this past week. It was so great and I just want to give a big shout out and congratulations to the newlyweds, John and Getch. listener, I wanted to thank you so much for giving the No Wrong Turns pod a listen. Can you consider helping me out and leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on? This really helps other people to be able to see the podcast when they're searching in the app. Thank you so much in advance. Listeners, welcome to our 19th episode. Today on the podcast, we have Sarah Anderson. I met Sarah some time ago after I started going to our church, City Church Chicago. In this episode, Sarah shares about how, through much apprehension, she developed a love for both travel and missions. Sarah also shares throughout the episode about how she grew in her love for baking and the power of what happens when you share a sweet treat with someone else. Throughout the chat, Sarah walks us through her story of moving all around from Florida to Wisconsin, back down to Florida, over to Guatemala, back to Florida, and ultimately how she ended up in Chicago. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing about how Sarah grew in her passions for missions, baking, and travel. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here is my conversation with Sarah. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Sarah, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, maybe where you're from, what you do, maybe some fun facts or hobbies that you enjoy? Absolutely. I am originally from Fort Myers, Florida. And everybody always asks me, how did you end up in the Midwest? Especially with weather like it is right now in (laughs) mid-February. And my answer is always like, I have no idea because this mid-February weather is terrible. But I love the city of Chicago. I've been here for about four years. So you're from Florida and you moved to Chicago. Do you have any hobbies or fun facts you want to share? I definitely love baking. It's a huge hobby of mine. To me, it is kind of that place where you go and nothing else, you don't hear anything else happening. It's always just calm and peaceful in there. And so when I'm baking, everybody's always telling me like there's flour flying around. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) It's a very majestic experience apparently, (laughs) but I just love it because it's kind of just my like pause in the day to be able to bake. So it's definitely a huge hobby for me. And when somebody bites into something delicious you made, it's like, ah, yes, that's why I did it because her face is always like, this is so delicious. And that's definitely a huge highlight for me. And then I would say the other thing that is just kind of a big part of who I am is my travel. I love nationally traveling. I love international travel. It's a really big part of what I love to do. Awesome. Do you prefer the cold or the warm weather? I prefer warm without the humidity, and that's not Florida. (laughs) (laughs) The specific specific warm. Yeah, specifically warm like San Diego would be perfect. (laughs) Awesome. So you said you're from Florida and you grew up there. Can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up, maybe a little bit about your family and just a little bit about your growing up life in general? Absolutely. Part of my childhood was spent in northern Wisconsin and I grew up in a very strict Christian home. That's how I was I was taught about Jesus from childhood. But kind of towards my teenage years, I really was like, I'm just not interested in this. This is too conservative for me. I'm a very passionate person. I'm I love exploring. I love adventure. I love adrenaline rushes. And to me, the environment in which I grew up with 
in was not that at all. And so I just really had a hard time connecting with God because of that. I kind of walked away and from the church situation, from church life basically, and kind of just made my own decisions and, and lived a really rough teenage years. But then I met up with my aunt kind of randomly who lives in Florida still in my hometown. And she invited me to come back and stay with her. And I was like, I'm just working at Culver's. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't have anything major keeping me in, in that small town in Wisconsin. How, how old were you at the time? 19. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm like, sure, I'll come check it out. And so <laughs> I just, in my head, I'm like, oh, man, I know she goes to church. And she's going to bring me to church. I just have a feeling. But there was some, <laughs> nagging, some nagging voice inside of me that was telling me, you need to go to your aunt's house in Florida. So I did it. And we get there the first day we get there, she brings me to youth service. And I'm like, oh, man, no, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be here. And a couple of months or a couple of weeks later, I actually ended up God was just working in my heart the whole entire time and totally softened me. And I ended up giving my heart over to Jesus at her church in Florida. So I ended up staying in Fort Myers, which is my hometown, and uh, went to Bible school. And it was somewhere in Bible school that somewhere in that first year, I joined Bible school saying two things. The first thing was I'm never leaving this country. <laughs> and because I went to Canada once as a kid and I'm never going back to Canada. So to me, did you have like a bad experience there or something? Not really. The only bad experience was that I had a boyfriend. I think I was like 14 and I had like a little boyfriend <laughs> and I was upset that my parents would drag me to the middle of nowhere, Canada on a fishing trip and take me away from my boyfriend. So that For was what, like that a was week, a, like three days. <laughs> it was a really short amount of time. <laughs> it was totally irrational. But at the time it was the biggest deal ever. So I'm sure I was upset. And that to me was what international travel was, was being upset so I was like I'm not leaving the country ever again and I'm never speaking in front of people oh, ever wow mm -hmm. yeah and so fast forward I get to bible school and by and they're all like yeah we're going on a mission trip to Ukraine and I was like oh yeah I don't do that I don't I'm not leaving the country and they're like but you are <laughs> so nine months after getting into bible school I find myself in front of 400 students on a stage talking about Jesus in Ukraine so Pretty quickly, that whole plan of never leaving the country and never being in front of crowds of people was undone <laughs> and changed my whole entire world. It was at that point in Ukraine that I just felt so strongly that I had heard from God about getting into global missions. And really his, his words to me was, this is what I've called you for. And I've called you to bring churches to nations and connect the U.S. with what's going on around the world through the local church. And that wrecked me. From that point forward, I was gung-ho. That was just a moment, a pivotal moment in my life where everything changed. Everything I thought about changed. Everything that I was focused on, my goals, my actions, where I spent my money, everything changed from that point forward. So somewhere in all of that, I moved to Guatemala for wow. two years and lived Wait, as a can I pause you yeah. right there? <laughs> so let's go back to Bible school. Okay. So how old were you when you started Bible school? 20? 19. 19, mm -hmm. okay. And then was it just a general Bible degree or did you have an emphasis? It was theology and church leadership was what I had, what I graduated with. And then was that like a two or four year degree? Two year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you were there for two years and then you moved to Guatemala. Yes. And then can you tell us a little bit, because you kind of just jumped there, but I'm just curious, personally curious. I know that you just said that you had this big call from God, but can you walk us through how you got to Guatemala? Yeah, just a absolutely. little insight. Yeah, I love that question. Unpacks a whole bunch. It was kind of a, t a tough situation. The first year we went from, in my two years of Bible school, we went to Ukraine. The second year we went to Guatemala for a month, and I had majored in missions that second year. So I ended up staying past my team for several weeks just to kind of complete some requirements for majoring in missions and really connected with the missionaries that were there. And I really felt strongly I needed to go there because they had been on the missions field for like 20 years at that time. And so I thought, they're so wise. I need to soak up everything I can from them. And I got to find a way to come back on a permanent basis. And so I went home. It took about two years of, I think like the first year was really just me not taking that seriously and me being afraid to walk into that. And so mm. I just worked and saved my money and paid my car bill and that and I and served at the church that kind of a thing I just really didn't take it too seriously but it kept getting heavier in my heart that you need to go you need to go you need to go and so I'm like but I don't speak the language I had all the buts like mm -hmm. why shouldn't I go so finally it just came down to the wire I had a meeting with my pastor and he's like when are you going to Guatemala you said you were when are you going 
And I'm like, I'm going to go. Yeah, it got real, real. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going in September. And this was like maybe November, December of the previous year. And I'm like, I'll be there by September. So you gave yourself a year. I gave myself a little less than a year. And he was like, okay, I I had some debt I had to pay off support to raise all sorts of things and so i had no idea what i was doing i had no idea how to get there i just knew i was gonna get there Mm -hmm. and that kind of changed everything it was really funny he's like how long are you gonna go for and in my mind i was like i just want to go for six months when i talked to the missionaries they're like you can't even learn the language in six months you won't be effective in ministry and really get the training that you're looking for and i'm like okay so i'll go for a year and they're like i would really suggest that you do like a two-year commitment because you'll spend the first year just learning the language. The second year, you actually get to be immersed, more immersed in the culture. And I'm like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Eyes rolled all the way in the back of my head. Fine, I'll go for two years. And I was so scared, but I committed for two years. I don't know how it happened, but I ended up leaving in September, the first week of September. I had lost my job in, in May. So I'm just trying to work and save and not have any bills. My parents were letting me live like low rent, like $200 a month or something just so that I could save up my dollars and get to Guatemala. And mm-hmm. I lost my job in May. The company that I was working for did a huge global reorganization and they let go of over a thousand employees. And I was one of them. I'm like, oh my word, I'm trying to save to go mm-hmm. and I lose my only source of income. And I don't know what happened. I don't even remember the months between May and September. I just know that the Lord provided I don't remember what I was doing with my time <laughs> other than I remember being at the church and serving at the church. And I remember connecting with people and trying to raise support and things like that. And then all of a sudden it was time to go. And so, yeah, that was kind of that little interim part. Wow. That's a big jump. Six months to two years <laughs> and yes. no job mysteriously making money. Or having all that stuff covered. That's crazy. I have no idea. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about your time in Guatemala then? So I'm assuming the first part was probably some language school. So much language school. I ended up moving into, I had a three-bedroom apartment there in Guatemala City, an apartment, three-bedroom apartment behind a gate was like $300 or $400 a month. It was so cheap and huge. And so I moved into a three-bedroom apartment. I got a boxer puppy because it was just me in the apartment. Oh, so I was assuming you had roommates or something. <laughs> no, it was just me in this big old apartment. And it was kind of lonely, and I couldn't speak the language, and I couldn't just go anywhere. I didn't know anything. Yeah. And so I got a boxer puppy. <laughs> Sydney, love her. <laughs> and then the first, I would say, nine months was language school. I went to one language school in the morning, and then I went to a different language school in the afternoon. Oh, wow. It was all learning Spanish. And then once a week, we actually got to go do ministry after language wow. school. Yeah. And that was kind of the practical part of the second language school. They were like, okay, we're going to go out into the community and practice what you've learned this week. And so that was nine months, at least, yeah, I would say about nine months of that two-year commitment was all language school. Wow. Yeah. And then after that, it was all ministry, which was incredibly rewarding. The missionary couple that I was partnering with and working with there has a ministry called El Oasis, and it was really geared towards women who work in prostitution. There's an area in Guatemala City where about 300 women a day come. And so we went to that area several times a week, and we would just talk about Jesus in that area. And then when they wanted to, when they would, step out in faith enough or have hope enough and and capture that message enough then we would help them walk out of that lifestyle and whatever that looked like and it looked different for every single woman that was a part of the program so sometimes it was me taking somebody to the grocery store because her thought was i have a son and i don't have a, a job yet i'm just stepping out on faith and she's falling in the sense of she stepped out in faith and now she's falling and she's waiting for something to catch her so she doesn't have to go back and like no no no, you don't have to go back for one day just to make dinner for your kid we'll take you to the grocery store and Mm -hmm. some so sometimes it was simple as going to the grocery store other times it was helping type out resumes because a lot of these women have been doing this for since they were 12 or 13 and don't have an education and so it's just helping find new jobs or helping find new apartments or move into places get connecting get connected to a church that was near their house and that they felt connected to. Mm -hmm. And then I would meet with some of these women on a weekly basis to disciple because when you would say, like, go to John 3.16, let's read it, they're like, who's John and what's 3.16 mean? (laughs) And so you really have to back all the way back up and and go all the way from the very beginning. And so that was a huge part of my second year in Guatemala was working with women 
and discipling them and just keeping them moving forward and away from their old lifestyle. Did you just keep the two-year commitment or did you continue on past that? Because it sounds like you were really invested. I was very invested and I only kept the two-year commitment. I miss it a lot. Can you tell us about your ending time? What were you thinking? Because you just mentioned that you missed it and you probably wanted to stay a bit. But what was your next step after that? The next step was really to go home. We had committed to Florida or Wisconsin. Back to Florida. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I was to go back to Florida and kind of debrief from all of that and decide what my next steps as a missionary would be. I have some very close friends that are in Lima, Peru and would love some ministry support. So that was something that we were definitely trying to decide and pray on. And by we, I mean my pastors and I. So it was kind of like go complete the two-year commitment, get the training. That was the purpose that I went there for, and then kind of decide from that point forward. And what really happened was that I just didn't feel I wanted to go back to Guatemala and just couldn't find a way to get back there. I think my pastors wanted me to go to Peru, Mm -hmm. and I just had such a heart. Sometime in that two years, I let – I went to Guatemala thinking I'm just going to complete my commitment, get in, get out, <laughs> learn what I need to do yeah, and move on. And just kind of walls up in that situation. And somewhere in there, I fell in love with the country. I've made really good friends. I have people there that are my brothers and that his, their parents are my Guatemalan parents. Like I've got Aww. extended family there and we can talk as if we're extended family all the time. I might not talk to them all the time, but the minute we get to talking, it's like no time has passed and it's been 10 years. Wow. So it's, it was a beautiful experience that changed my life. And yeah. <laughs> so you came home and you're kind of debriefing, unpacking your time there. And were you working at that time or what were you doing with your time as you were kind of unpacking and planning your next step forward? It was a lot of, I was afforded a beautiful privilege. My church kept supporting me for a couple of months after I had returned from Guatemala and allowed me just the time to kind of debrief. That was such an experience. Yeah. And so I think I ended up getting my first job back was something like Bath and Body Works for the holiday season. Uh I had gotten back in September and I think I started working maybe in November and just took a couple of months to debrief and process everything and pray about what my next steps were and try to make a decision based on hearing God clearly and not out of emotion. So it was a lot of just breathing, yeah, <laughs> breathing in the new season of life. I remember coming back and we talk about re-entry. It's part of the cultural shift of returning to your own culture and not feeling like you fit in there. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I dealt with a lot was just adjusting to my own culture and driving down the street in Guatemala. There's, they take three lanes and turn them into four or five, sometimes six lanes everybody's got their hand hanging out the door to let them know that they're moving over into the next lane, not using their signal to do that. Yeah. And so like here I'm driving around Florida with my hand out the window and I'm like, nobody's responding to me. I don't, (laughs) I'm coming over little things like that. I remember one of the biggest pivotal moments was I wasn't doing anything and my mom needed to go to the grocery store. And so she's, I said, I can go to the grocery store for you while you're at work. Give me your list. And she puts cheese on the list. And I'm like, okay. And as I go to the grocery store, I don't think anything of it. I'm throwing everything in the cart. Uh I get to the cheese section, and it is so wide. And there's so many options of cheese there. And in Guatemala, you show up to the cheese section at the grocery store, and you get yellow cheese, and you get white cheese. Pick your cheese. Like, you don't – there's not options. There's not shredded. There's not blocks. There's not (laughs) – there's not brie. There's not (laughs) – you get yellow cheese, and you get white cheese. And I get back and I'm standing at the grocery store and the cheese aisle is so, so wide and there's so many options and so many flavors. And I'm like, I literally just started crying because I had no idea what to do. I didn't know, did she want pepper jack cheese? Did she want shredded pepper jack cheese? Did she want singles sliced out? Did she want, I had no idea what she wanted. And I just remember standing there crying and being like, what is going on? Why so much cheese? (laughs) The things you never think about when you're living in a foreign country and then you come back to your own is things like all All the the options. All the options. (laughs) Yeah. So what were the next few months like or in the next few years like for you? They were very interesting. I stayed in Fort Myers for a while and just really kind of worked through some really difficult times that I was going through spiritually serving my church and just working a job and serving my church and staying planted, really. Awesome. 
so you're here in Chicago. So I'm curious between that spot and now, how did you get here? (laughs) Nothing specific happened in Florida, I would say. I just remember kind of feeling like I was doing status quo and not really aiming for much or striving for much. I wasn't, I was having a really hard time getting back overseas on a full-time basis. And so at the simultaneously, at the same time, my sister is having children. She's got four kids and she lives in Milwaukee. And I thought, and I'm always up for adventure. I love a good adventure. I love not knowing what is next. I love adrenaline rushes. I love the mystery of it all. I love that. So I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of working a job and I just kind of living life and I need a new adventure. And so my sister is having kids. I'm getting really close to her kids. Mm-hmm. And I thought, let me go to Milwaukee. I'll move to Milwaukee. I can be near my sister's family. <laughs> yeah. Says nobody ever, <laughs> but me apparently. So I ended up moving to Milwaukee. My company transferred me to a department at a newspaper there. And yeah, so I hung out in Milwaukee for about three years getting to love on my sister's kids and having slumber parties with all four of them (laughs) in my tiny little apartment wow that's fun that's awesome that you were (laughs) able to transfer your job yeah and not to have to be kind of looking around and in a new place at the same time yeah that was really great (laughs) that's awesome so you lived in milwaukee then for three years or so and then what were your next steps? And I'm guessing Chicago comes next. I'm not sure. <laughs> Chicago does come next. I kind of a similar situation. Milwaukee's really small for me as far as the city goes. And I really am just a big city girl. So trying to live there, I'm like, I don't want to leave too far away from my sister and her kids. I really have grown very close to them. I'm a very invested Auntie Sarah. <laughs> and I don't want to leave. But also I want to be able to be in a city that's always hustling there's new things going on there's so many options there's a lot of culture here and that's just a part of who I am is especially living overseas and having such a passion for global missions getting to be around culture and diversity is something that I need just as Mm -hmm. a person and kind of not seeing a ton of that in Milwaukee was a little draining for me and Mm -hmm. seeing that there's so much going on in Chicago and it's close to my sister and her kids at the same time somebody on LinkedIn kind of reached out to me and poached me for the organization that I'm with now. And so I'm like, I'm going to go check it out and live in Chicago. And now Chicago can't get rid of me. <laughs> so then how long have you been here in Chicago? A little over four years. January was four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so when you came to Chicago, you got a new job. And yes. is right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and are you still with that same job now? I am. I'm with the same company. I've transitioned roles within the organization, but yeah, with the same gotcha. company. So when you moved to Chicago, besides working, what were other things that you were interested in? You said you were interested in the diversity and the culture. So when you moved here, what were some of the things that you started to enjoy about the city? I loved going out. First of all, the food scene in the city is insane and unlike anything else I've ever experienced. So making friends and going and exploring the city and tasting different things was definitely and still is a big part of my (laughs) life here in the city. And then I moved in on a Sunday and then the following Sunday, I just Googled churches in in the city of Chicago and my church popped up because our name is City Church Chicago and the search terms were what I was looking for matching the name. Shout out to Google. (laughs) Seriously, they know what they're doing. So I just thought I'd go check that out. I was familiar with who the Hillsong was. So I thought I'd go check out this church and see what happens. And I haven't left. And so I've been at my church for the same amount of time that I've been in the city. And so that was amazing because Mm -hmm. I just started getting involved there and saying yes and serving at different departments and going to small groups and different things like that. And that's where my friends, all my, all of my friend groups are from Mm -hmm. or most of them in the city and just being able to have that community here totally changed everything about my life and how I see the city or how I see like my passions. That's awesome. Hey listeners, this week we are back with Olive Branch Coaching and Consulting run by Michelle Bernard as our sponsor. Are you looking for a qualified group facilitator, coach, or speaker? 
At Olive Branch, Michelle comes alongside her clients, which could be you, as they see new opportunities to progress towards their goals, grow in personal development, and experience hope. Just like here on the No Wrong Turns pod, Michelle loves to hear people's stories and passions and then help bring forth their dreams into action. This is accomplished through individual and group coaching and speaking events and group facilitating. All Branch Coaching and Consulting is currently based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the coaching sessions are done over video calls. Speaking events and group facilitating can be arranged for out-of-town events as well. You can follow Olive Branch Coaching Consulting on Instagram at olivebranch underscore coaching. That is at O-L-I-V-E-B-R-A-N-C-H underscore C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. And check out their website at www.olivebranchcoachcandc.com. One thing that I really enjoyed reading as I was going through my social media scroll was a recent post from Olive Branch. And this post highlighted the elephant matriarch. Yes, stay with me. That's elephants we're talking about. And Olive Branch um, highlighted that the elephant matriarch had many strengths. And then I went on to list out some great self-reflective questions about how or how not you are seeing and using your strength. One of the questions that was asked that I loved was, what are some fears and limiting beliefs that are holding you back from using your strength? This is a great question to begin to process what I think about in the area of my strengths. Olive Branch Coaching Consulting is offering a special discount for you listeners. Email Michelle at michelle at olivebranchcnc.com with the subject line no wrong turns pod listener for a 10% off five session coaching package for one individual and this offer is valid through december 1st 2020 thanks for sponsoring the pod all right back to sarah's story with the church and have led a lot of those so can you talk a little bit about that yeah I would love to this is the part where I might get high-pitched or something (laughs) because I get excited but coming to city church I didn't see really a whole lot being announced I was there for a few months and I didn't really hear anything being talked about as far as missions goes and so I just emailed I had one pastor's email Mm -hmm. and I emailed him and said hey I have (laughs) you don't know me from Adam at all but I have a heart (laughs) this is me Sarah and my email address is Sarah to the nations. And so it's like, <laughs> this is a super missionary. But I emailed and just was like, I have a heart for missions. I don't really see anything going on here. Is there a way that I can get involved? And he emailed me back so fast that I thought I BCC'd myself. And oh. <laughs> because it was so like a, my computer refreshed and there it was, wasn't his response back wow. in the email. Yeah, it was so speedy. And he was like, oh, yeah, my wife is actually trying to plan our our church's first missions trip to Ethiopia, but she's never done a missions trip before and she could use some help. So he gets me connected with his wife. We plan a missions trip to Ethiopia together. And that went swimmingly. Again, I was super resistant because I was like, oh no, I'll just help her plan the missions trip. I'm not actually going to go on the missions trip. Wow, that's and, surprising that you wouldn't want to go. Right? When I look at that, I'm like, oh, why am I? Oh, the walls are always up to like really dive in at the beginning like when I went to Guatemala I'm like I'm just gonna go for six months right really just diving in is it was the most rewarding part and then fast forward to this trip to Ethiopia I'm like oh no no, walls up kind of keep the trip (laughs) at arm's length and then diving in was literally the best part so we held a bunch of meetings we took the the team to Ethiopia for the first time Mm -hmm. it was city church's first missions trip and then just kind of coming back from that my pastors looked at me and they were like you're so passionate about this. Why don't you take this department and run with it? Our pastor has a huge heart and wants to do multiple trips a year and really connect our church with what's going on around the world. Mm -hmm. And so now we go to Ethiopia on an annual basis. We go to Peru on an annual basis and we go to Thailand on an annual basis as a church. And I just get to be a part of all of that and helping lead the leaders that go on these trips and inspire the missions program itself. 
and how we develop the team and prep the team and get the team ready to be in country for just that short amount of time Mm -hmm. and how can we bless our missionaries and take care of them while we're over there and that's just my passion I get to develop people here to go and help love on people over there and it kind of brings me back to that moment in the van in Ukraine when God spoke to me and said this is what you're called to do you're called to connect the U.S. local church to nations and what's going on around the world and that's literally like I'm living in one way, right now I'm living what God had spoken to me 17 or 18 years ago in Ukraine and getting to connect my church to what's going on around the world with some incredible missionaries that we partner with. Wow, that's so crazy. Isn't it? <laughs> that like 17 or 18 years ago, you probably would not have pictured. It's no. so crazy to think about hearing something like that and then fast forward you, yeah. you could never plan this no absolutely not <laughs> and all those steps and all those random people finding you on linkedin and just to get yeah. you to the right place at the right time yeah oh i forgot one of the coolest details too <laughs> about the company that i work for right now they offer unlimited paid vacation and so yeah wrap your head around that <laughs> I've heard about this, but then I've heard it's been really, when people offer that, it's really hard to get. Like they don't want to give it to you. Yeah. Oh, no. My, no, my boss is like, take the days. They're unlimited. Take them. And I'm like, oh, okay. wow. That's so crazy. So the craziest part is that not only did I get a really cool job in downtown Chicago, but it allows me with no strings attached to go and do what I'm actually passionate about, which is reaching nations. Wow. That's awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then do you go, you don't go on all of the, all three trips or do you? Not anymore. <laughs> the first few years, it was a couple of missions trips a year for me, mm-hmm. uh, which was really difficult, really trying to be a good employee at my job. And just emotionally, when you go and you put yourself in those environments in other countries, you really connect with the people of that country and the ministries that are going on there. And God mm-hmm. just does so much. He wants to speak so loudly through you stepping out of your normal environment and just being so surrendered to that process. And so it's like recovering from those trips is very, that takes time because you just, your whole world has changed. You're not the same person anymore. Yeah. So I was down to two trips and now I'm down to about a trip a year. Awesome. So you've gotten to travel to a lot of different countries on mission trips, but have you ever just traveled anywhere just for fun or when you've been on your mission trips, have you been able to stop and stop over and see like different places mission trips that's a quick and short answer is no mm-hmm. they're always really focused and i like going with the team and i like coming back with the team so i would just stay focused on the actual trip itself mm-hmm. but i had kind of realized after a couple of years of doing multiple mission trips in a year i don't even know my own country like i've been to florida and i've been to the midwest and that's kind of it and mm-hmm. so i made a list of all the places in the u.s that i would want to go Ooh. Uh, just for funsies and explore my own country because I'm I'm off always in other countries but I've never actually seen my own that much and so last year actually was the craziest travel year for me I had been to California I went to Denver I went oh my gosh I went to like four different places I was in Puerto Rico I took a five-day cruise with my mom and sister and went to the, the southern Caribbean so we were like St. Lucia, like way, way south. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. I did a bunch of exploring in twenty, late 2018, 2019. Wow, that's For fun. myself. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> Is there anywhere that's like on your, any, I guess I, I want to limit you to one spot because usually people can't think of just one, mm-hmm. but do you have maybe like a top three on your bucket list of places that you're like, oh, I'm really interested in going here? Yes. I would say I really want to see Portugal. Okay for a vacation i would love to see santorini greece for a vacation and i would probably want to go i've been to thailand a handful of times Mm -hmm. and all for missions i would love to go see thailand just for vacation and do the touristy type of thing (laughs) i'm curious about when you said portugal because usually that's not high on people's travel list do you have a reason for wanting to go there it's so beautiful and it's an underrated vacation. I was reading some blogs and they were all like, everybody likes going to Spain or everybody likes mm-hmm. going to the, their neighboring countries. But when you look at Portugal, it has all sorts of different things. There's different wineries and different cultures and there's different food aspects that are there. 
there's cliffs on the side of the mountain, but then mm-hmm. there's also mountains. There's, and it's just a very diverse country. And I thought, wow, that'd be so much fun because it's not, I don't know anybody that's gone to Portugal. Yeah, I only know a few people. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas a lot of people have gone to Spain. Yep. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, let me find the underdog of the country. <laughs> I've heard another underdog is kind of Croatia, but people are starting to get awake to yeah. Croatia, unfortunately. Yeah, I heard the same thing. I actually know a couple of people that have traveled last year to Croatia. <laughs> I'm like, funny. oh, man, it's a trend. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, but fortunately. Yes. <laughs> So you have a passion for missions and a passion for travel. And in the beginning, you talked a little bit about your passion for baking. Yes. How did that start for you besides just baking for yourself? But how did that evolve into kind of this side business for you? That was, well, going back to the very beginning that I didn't know that I could bake at all. Oh, wow. No, yeah, it was crazy. And we I was living in Guatemala and working with a friend at a children's feeding center. And mm-hmm. she would always go and buy the box cakes and make cake for the kids and celebrate every month. She would celebrate that month's birthdays at the feeding center. And watching the kids eat and just experience so much joy was like, man, I want to do that too. And so I started buying boxed cakes. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and... And just bringing them all over the place and then just watching people be joyful about it. And that's what really why I love baking so much is I love people when they bite into my cupcake and their face is just like, oh, my gosh, this is the most delicious thing ever. That to me is so rewarding. And so it turned into a thing after I'd moved back from Guatemala and was living in Florida. My friend, I kept talking about it. And my friend at the time, she was like, you need to go and get lessons. And so for Christmas, she got me cake decorating lessons met Joanne Fabrics and so I did two or three rounds of cake decorating classes and I loved it I'm not normally a tedious person and I don't like some of that fine detail but when it comes to baking or making flowers or being creative and I'm not even that necessarily a creative person but when it comes to baking and putting creativity (laughs) into a cake I'm a whole new I'm artist Sarah I don't even know where I come from because I'm like this is the greatest thing and I get so much joy out of it and yeah, it was fun. And then as soon as I realized I was actually really good at it, <laughs> and I can make some flowers for sure after a little bit of practice. And I felt really proud of that. And I was like, this is kind of my niche. It was so natural. So I started just baking for events and everybody would be buying my, my friends would just be eating my creations and loving it. <laughs> and finally it kind of morphed into people were paying me and asking to pay for baked goods. So, of course, I'm not turning that down. (laughs) Why would you? No, right? Yes, of course you can pay me. And so that I put it on hiatus when I moved to Chicago. And just at the beginning of this year, I'm like, you know what? I miss that. I miss baking for fun. And and because it's not necessarily a job, but getting paid for it is fun as well. So, yeah, (laughs) I miss both of those dynamics. Let me start this up again. So I did. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I saw on your um, Instagram some really cool different creations that you've done. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I always giggle at some of the different requests that I get because we had, and we were talking about this earlier, I had mm-hmm. uh, my coworker ask me for a One Direction cake for her, her niece's turning nine or ten. And in my head, I was like, One Direction? That's interesting. Like, they're kind of like, old news yeah i hope they don't hear that but <laughs> i'm like man one direction's kind of faded but it was what they wanted and these girls love one direction and it was what they wanted it was just really funny so i have a cake that i'm baking tonight and that's a little bit different style than i've ever done before and i'm really excited to go home and bake and decorate because it's just so different and unique I, another cake was my my nephew and his cousin were having a combined birthday party, mm-hmm. and she's a girl into Barbies, and he's a boy into trains. And so one of the odd requests was, how can you combine their two themes, their two birthday themes, yeah. into one cake? And so I just did. Like, the top part was a princess, and she was walking down the trail, and the trail kind of turned into a train track where Thomas was at the bottom of the cake. And it just was like this whole elaborate situation where it combined two very opposite themes into one cake. It was really cool. It was unique. Wow, that's really letting like your creativity go crazy. It did. <laughs> that's really fun. Yeah. So I want to pivot a little bit and ask you, I mean, maybe it's applicable to baking, but I think probably more so missions. Specifically, if there, and, and travel, I guess you could say, if there's any myths that you've heard about 
missions or travel or baking <laughs> and you've heard it t- time and time again but from your experience you kind of sit back and you're like huh i don't think that's so true and is there any myths that you can debunk for us yeah i love that question it's a great question I think one of the things that I hear a lot when it comes to missions is that in order to do missions, you have to be hyper committed as far as you might get a call and you get to move out of the country and leave your family behind. Who's calling him? (laughs) Right? All of a sudden, you might just get so convicted that you feel like you have to drop everything and go. Or that I remember a myth that I had my own self was that every missionary single missionary on the field would wear skirts and tennis shoes and so this is just fashion offensive (laughs) to me and so I was always especially living in Guatemala I refuse to be the missionary that's in skirts and tennis shoes and so I think people kind of put on the tend to think that missions needs to look a certain way and Mm -hmm. to me missions is really all about just changing the world for Jesus and 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 that to me the myth there that i think that we can undo today is that missions can look like a bunch of different things a lot of times missions means you're not going over the field but you might be sponsoring somebody else to do it or you might meet a missionary and understand and be inspired by their ministry and what they're doing and the work that they're doing over there and want to partner with them in some way being serving in missions might be able to be a missionary's admin support here in the U.S. because mailing is very expensive internationally and they might need you to print some stuff and mail some stuff and stamp some stuff. (laughs) And that is serving missions. And so missions, to me, I think, doesn't have to look a certain way. It's really what can we do to change the world and what gifts and talents do I have and what sacrifice am I willing to offer and, and offer that. And to me, that's what missions is. Are we changing the world for Jesus? Yes. Okay, that's actually going out that's what the bible says to go into nations and preach the gospel and heal the sick and so when you're participating and you're supporting whether it looks like you're going whether it looks like you're moving there or whether it looks like you're going to be more of a financial support Mm -hmm. to me that's all it's all making the world go round it's all making missions happen no matter what that looks like that's awesome what do you think the most common reason for people to fail or give up their passion of missions would be I think what would cause most people to give up in missions would maybe fail is a bit harsh (laughs) (laughs) that too but maybe to give up would be the sacrifice it can be really overwhelming when you think of if you are thinking about doing something a little bit more permanent or even going on a short-term trip it requires a little bit of yourself and all of that in it. Mm-hmm. I've never been on a missions trip or lived in a country and come back and been the same Sarah that left. Even in 10 days, God just does so much and changes your perspective. And I think sometimes that can be fearful. Because mm-hmm. when you talk to me, if you talk to me about it or anybody that's been on a mission trip, they're like, God changed my life. I'm not even the same person anymore. And you're like, well, I like the person I am. Why would I go? Why would I change? Right. <laughs> And so I think a lot of times fear would maybe hold people back from just the unknown or what that would look like or the sacrifice that kind of comes along with that. And I also think people get really caught up in the financial aspect, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with developing teams and helping teams go global. That's one of the biggest questions I have. Wait, this trip is going to be $3,000? Yeah, but it's going to be easy. I promise you. I know that the Lord, when he calls you to something, he's going to take care of it. He's going to bless it. You're going to work like it's your job and he's going to show up like it's his and it'll be just fine. But I think that's a huge hindrance that I see with people really reaching out and wanting to move forward and getting involved is the financial aspect. And when you just know that you're supposed to be there doing this, that's not even a thing that I think about mm-hmm. when I'm getting ready for a mission trip and try to encourage the people going on my teams. Don't think about this because the Lord is going to show up. We're going to work hard, but the Lord is going to show up and he's going to show off and he's going to be faithful and it's going to be amazing. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of pivot a little bit again as well and ask if if somebody is listening and they're like, wow, this story about um, missions and passion for travel and even baking, this sounds really interesting to me. What would you tell somebody listening who this has kind of piqued their interest and they're saying, I want to learn more about this. I want to possibly take an, an, a step further in this direction. I would definitely say with the missions dynamic, I would say 
get even more involved with your local church and email a pastor. Do what I did and email a pastor and be like, hey, I want to be on a missions trip and see what happens. Because surely if something's not going on, they are probably thinking about how to make it go on. Mm -hmm. So I would just say get connected in your community and reach out. And I think other ways too is be like volunteering in your own city and looking for ways to serve your city. But if you want to take it global, then definitely ask and keep asking questions and keep knocking on doors until you find the right fit as far as going internationally. Mm-hmm. I would say for travel, one of the funnest things that I have that I have is I'm a part of a couple of different travel groups on social media and they're planning trips. I've never actually participated in one of these trips, but I'd love to. Yeah. Is that there there are groups on social media that you can go and travel with a bunch of random strangers if you have no idea what to do mm-hmm. and you don't want to travel by yourself go pick a group find a group that looks reputable on yeah. social media don't go to the sketchy ones um, Good advice. <laughs> but there's ways to actually just go to austin texas with a group of strangers and it'd be an actual really amazing experience also traveling by yourself can be really fun mm-hmm. i think a lot of my trips last year were with people there was a couple of times that I'm like you know what I'm just gonna hop on this plane over here and spend a couple of nights in a hotel by myself and explore the city by myself and then you get into conversations with locals and you get to learn about what's going on you get to experiment experiment the food in the area and Mm -hmm. do a little sightseeing on your own and that is so amazing and so it's like going to the movies by yourself but on a bigger scale it's like therapeutic it's so great (laughs) that's a good good analogy (laughs) Any advice to the bakers? Yes. Sign up for a cake decorating class at Joanne Fabrics. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to you, Joanne. (laughs) Shout out to Joanne. Shameless plug. This is not a paid advertisement. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Right? That's where I would start is find a recipe on Pinterest and bake it and then see how people respond to it. And Mm -hmm. if it's something that you're really interested in doing, I would sign up for a class and learn how to do it some of those finite details you need help with. And so that would be a great first step. Awesome. So when you were starting out with your passion for missions, what was something you wish you had known or maybe wish you had heard just a little bit louder of advice that you could kind of give yourself back then? Or maybe it was advice that you heard, but you just thought, oh, like you kind of brushed it off to the side maybe. I would say the advice that I definitely received and just didn't take seriously was that of being a little bit more bold. We had kind of talked about it earlier that I always kind of, my first instinct is to put a wall up and be like, I'm only going to commit this much Mm -hmm. and I'm going to Guatemala. I'm only going to do six months and it ended up being two years. And I really wished it was like four or six and because it was such a beautiful experience. And so having that I have been counseled like don't be so reserved and just really like let go and let God move in that moment and had I done that I feel like I probably would have not just made a two-year commitment I probably would have made a longer commitment I don't have any regrets I feel like everything has happened and my life has been beautiful Mm -hmm. but there's I feel like there's so many more lessons that I could have learned in all of that had I just learned to let go a little bit more Mm mm-hmm That's really good. I think that's kind of important to remember because sometimes you're just kind of like holding, holding yourself and like with a wall around you, just like a a little mini fortress. You're like, okay, I think I know what's best to protect myself. And this is how I'm just going to keep moving forward. Yeah. All right. Is there any resources that have really helped you on your journey? This could be anything from Uh, podcast or a book or movie or maybe in-person mentor or something or hearing someone speak that has really kind of helped you with any of your passions absolutely I would say the biggest thing that I can think of and you said it was having a mentor and having a really strong community of people that you allow yourself to be a part of and them to be a part of your life I have three or four friends really I don't have a ton of friends but the few friends that I have are very very close to me they know me and they know my personality Um, they know what I dream about and what I don't like and they know my frustrations and they know my victories and my failures and having the type of people that know those things and are constantly speaking life into me when I'm getting discouraged has been absolutely invaluable in my life 
and then I definitely have a couple of people that mentor me. I have somebody that's mentoring me on a spiritual level. I have a, a professional mentor at my office. And then I have a missionary, one of my missionaries. I asked her, she's just such an incredible woman of God that I just want to be like her so bad. Yeah. I'm like, can you please mentor me to be like you? And so just inviting people in your life that are further down the road than you absolutely helps shape your steps and where you're headed and your success. Awesome. All right. I have one final question that I ask all the podcast guests. And this is, what is fueling you? What's fueling your passion today? And this could be anything from a new coffee drink, maybe a new baking recipe, or a new country you saw that you want to travel to. What's fueling you today? A few things I would say. I would definitely say when it comes to baking, what's fueling me is just the excitement of people's experiences. And I feel like I'm a new baker on the, in the Chicago scene <laughs> <laughs> out of all of them out here. Yeah, just kind of finding ways. It's fun for me to kind of unpack how to be successful in anything that I've put my mind to. So it's like, oh, what what networking event can I go to and push out my card? Or what can I do that's creative or different? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of pushing me, and I like that. It's a little personal development process, but I love it. I think that's why I love it so much. And I would say what's fueling me with reaching nations is I would say the experiences that I've had and the people that I've met along the journey there's a little girl's face in Thailand at a school that we went to. I'll never forget her face and I'll never forget her story and just how much she needed love. And she just wanted to be hugged and loved on and played with and felt valuable and important. And it's a little, those little tiny moments that I've experienced that are like, I just want to have more of those moments and I want to help other people have those moments. Uh, I think another thing that fuels me is that I've had a few people go on mission trips and then they get back and they're just so like, I want to do even more with my life than what I've been doing. So I have one girl that went and she just really, she was in theater before and mm -hmm. she realized she really loves teaching and she wants to teach kids with special needs. And so she went to school, she's graduating in June and moving into teaching full time with kids with special needs. And it's like, that's nothing's wrong with theater <laughs> at all by any stretch of the imagination. But that inspiration that came from the missions trip and just like, Oh, kids especially kids with special needs need focused attention and I have a gift there and I want to exercise in the gifts that God's given me those types of things are just like really amazing because mm -hmm. I have a lot of people that go on a mission trip and they come back and they go back to their normal jobs and that's normal and that's great like you're supposed to be there we're supposed to be in the community and working regular old jobs and that's beautiful but owning that at a different level is so inspirational and giving that opportunity to people is what I think there's so many things with missions that keeps me going and fueling <laughs> me. <laughs> but I think that's definitely one of the first few things that comes to my mind is how people's lives are always changed. And, and you just can't go back once you've had an experience and you've encountered God or you've encountered what he's trying to do in nations and how beautiful that is. You can't like forget that. You cannot do that. And it forever changes you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for your time and for sharing your story and your many passions. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Friends, I loved our conversation with Sarah. It was so great to hear Sarah's story about how she pursued her passions for missions, baking, and travel. One of my favorite takeaways is when I heard Sarah's story about how she kept going even though she was very apprehensive about committing to moving to Guatemala. It was awesome to hear about the people that she surrounded herself with that not only listened to her desire to want to move to Guatemala, but then also kept her accountable and walked with her through her journey. I hope that we were all encouraged today through Sarah's story and her passions. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode was edited by our podcast editor, Sophia Bote, social media managed by Olivia Bote, and you can see the show notes for our music credits.